0: the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast.
1: We deliver a hunting podcast from Ontario, Canada. We're going to give you season
0: updates, harvest reports, and how we go from field to plate. We're going to even talk about our equipment setups and all the cool hunting stories we've experienced over the years. We're just a couple of guys who understand we don't know everything, but boy, can we put meat on the table every year. This episode is brought to you in part by our friends at Desjardins Insurance.
1: Whether you're sitting at home, on your ATV, or in the woods, Desjardins has you covered with home, auto, and life insurance. They can even insure your trophy mounts.
0: Contact Cody Sullivan today at 519-601-5775 or cody.sullivan, that's S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N, at desjardins.com. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Ontario Outdoor Pursuit. As everyone knows, we are in the middle of our indoor league. Which we are doing great, by the way. Yeah, You did awesome last week. I shot fairly good. Yeah, it's been pretty and good. And I thought it would be a great time to have none other than Bowtech's Paige Pierce. Paige, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
0: We oh, are pretty doing good. very good. Thank you. So why don't you, Paige, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for the people that don't know um, that you shoot for Bowtech and that you're an amazing archer.
2: Gotcha. Well, um... I guess I would say I am currently a professional archer. I'm on the United States archery team. As you said, I shoot for Bowtech and uh, quite a few other companies, Carbon Express, AAE, Miopta, Size. So I don't know, there's a whole bunch of cross sports, but I've been shooting, let's see, the pro circuit now for like, wow, 10, 11 years almost. I made the US team for the first time at 13. So wow. It's been, yeah, 10, 10 years on the pro circuit. Um, but, yeah, now I pretty much just travel around and shoot almost every weekend. You guys actually caught me on a weekend I was home. But next weekend I'm off to Cincinnati for the indoor But, yeah, that pretty much takes up, you know, most of my time. It's been a long road getting where I am now. But it's been, it's been
1: fun the whole way.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, we've got um, a couple people that are actually going down to Cincy from our indoor league. I believe katie roth will be there uh she's shooting for pse and i think robbie not is going i don't know uh robbie actually won the 2018 uh what was it pro amateur no he
1: was the amateur at vegas he won that
0: yeah i know katie pretty well oh yeah okay so yeah we shoot with katie she is awesome so i know she's going down there so you kind of talked like you shot archery you've been shooting archery better than I have for 10 years that's like what kind of got you into archery did you start hunting before that or were you just brought up right into archery
2: um, brought right up into target but hunted as well still currently hunt now um, I actually started shooting at about 18 months old um, It was when I shot in my first tournament I don't even know uh, if I my parents then. both shot and so they would just drag my brother and I around on the range and if we were going to be there we might as well be shooting so I grew up shooting the Reading style tournament, so Mark 3D, orange dots, most of my life, and then we would travel around to some states nearby when I was younger, but kind of how it all happened, when I was 10 or 11, I shot our state indoor, and I broke the state record, and we had a certificate show up in the mail, and we didn't even really realize there were records in archery at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, we just knew like, oh, this is the course record, but nothing official. And so we got that, so we started doing research, and that's how we found USA Archery and World Archery and that whole other target side of, of the world, you know, we didn't even know existed. So um, a couple weeks later, uh, we ended up, there was a state Fita tournament, and I went down there and I shot it, I was like a bowman at the time, and I broke like all five state records, and they were like, who are you? Well, then they were like, you need to go to Nationals in like two weeks or something. And I was like, what? And it was down in like L.A. or San Diego. So my mom's like, let's wing it. So we hopped in the car. We drove down there. I shot Nationals and I broke like 14 records while I was there. And from that time on, it literally went from a hobby in the backyard to in like two weeks time, like, holy crap. Now I'm going to go do a whole bunch of other stuff in this. I didn't even know existed pretty quickly, actually.
0: Yeah, that is that's incredible. So uh, your walls are just filled with uh, all kinds of tracks and trophies, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean it's pretty cool. I, uh, you know, there's always some that mean more to you than others, and so <laughs> you know the ones that are extra special I have in the house, like up on my heart. But then I have most of them out in my archery room um, at the house. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool. And then you know from there, like I said, I just I tried out for the U.S. team. I tried out for the junior world championship team at 13 and I made that team. Um, I was the youngest person to ever go. We won a team gold medal on that trip. And then I did, let's see, I did like five junior worlds after that because I was (laughs) so young. that I made a whole bunch of them and then started qualifying for the senior team. Also, you know, when I was way young and, so yeah, I stuck um, I shoot all the NFAAs and I shoot the USA archery events, I shoot a lot of world archery events, indoor and outdoor. I did dabble in ASA a little bit. That's just a ton of fun, but judging takes up a lot of time with how much I'm gone. Right. Um yeah, it's been it's been pretty awesome.
0: That is truly amazing. I'll be taking uh some of that little bit of inspiration into league night uh, next week. How did you get involved with Bowtech? Obviously, other than just wanting to shoot it because they're the best bows out there. Right? Don't even start with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved it. But yeah, um, I actually got to meet you earlier on this year at ATA and tried out the Reckoning. But how did you first get involved with Bowtech? So actually,
2: initially. I've obviously always known of Bowtech, but I have right. never actually shot them. And my friend Henry Bass had switched to Bowtech, started shooting their bows, and actually working for the company. And so he had told me, he's like, hey, you, you really need to try these. And I was like, yeah, okay, okay, sure. And I kind of blew him off. And then, you know, later on again, he's like, no, really, you need to try these. And so finally I was like, all right, you're going to keep counting me. Tell me a bow. Let me try one of these things. So I did. I set it up, and it took me about two days. And I was like, "Wow!" Like it. And at that time, I was shooting the Fnatic 3.0. Okay. Um. Actually, it might have even been a 2.0. But yeah, I was one of the Fnatic. and I was like, "Wow, this thing is awesome!" So I um, shot them for a little bit of time, and then one thing that I really value about Botech is one, the people at the company—they're so easy to work with. They're such good, like down-to-earth, you know, family-oriented. Like I just—I really uh, connect with everyone there. But one thing that really stands out to me with the company, um, more than any of the other companies I've represented, is that Bowtech treats their women just as good as they treat their men. And I'm not saying that in a negative way toward other companies, but I think anyone listening to this who's in the industry knows, like, the men are always valued as more important. And that's how it has always been. We're all just okay with that. Bowtech is one of the, you know, the first bow company I've been with where, I don't feel like I'm lesser because I'm a woman or because I'm shooting in the women's division. And for, as an example, there's, um, like when we talk about equipment or changes on new products or different, you know, in, input on new, new changes they're going to do. Normally other boat companies as bow companies, especially, really don't care what the women have to say at all. Like there's very few women anywhere. I bet that have had any input, true input on what a company did with their product. And Bowtech actually values, at least I can say, you know, my input and what I have to say and different suggestions. And they're willing to work with you. They really hear you out. And that's something I've never had before. So I got to experience that with them firsthand right when I started. And I was so impressed with that. And it's like, dang, not only are your bows incredible and you guys are awesome, but we can actually work together to make these products better And I hadn't had that opportunity with anybody else. So that really, in my book, I mean, I have so much respect for them
1: now. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And, like, we've always never really cared for if you're a guy or a girl. You know, we respect everyone as a hunter or a target archer or whatever they do from our point of view. So it's really good to hear a huge company like Bowtech does the exact same thing in your shoes. Um, One of the things Cam and I were kind of discussing because we're not at the level you are, clearly (laughs) – Um, One of the things we were really curious about is how do you maintain that tournament level competition?
2: Honestly, I'm shooting competitions so often. I don't really practice a lot at home. I would be lying if I told you I did. Uh, But I'm shooting competitions almost every weekend, you know, at least every other weekend. And so I've done it for so many years and then so consistently throughout the year that to me, most of it's mental. As long as I shoot just enough to keep my strength up to where I'm not missing points because I'm fatigued or getting tired towards the end of a the round, then I'm kind of good to go. I think a lot of people overlook the mental aspects of archery, and for me, when I was young, like when I was 10 at Vegas, I bought the book With Winning of Mind by Lanny Basham. We drove home like 12 hours, and I read the book out loud in the car to my family. <laughs> and from that point on, I started working on a mental management system and what stuff from his book works for me and then looking for other sources and kind of piecing it together to figure out you know what really works with my mind how I think how I work and um, I did more mental training and visualization than I ever did actual shooting and so now you know years later it's like I still don't shoot a whole lot but I have a really good foundation of that that I built from a young age and I really believe that's the only reason that I made it where I did was because I or you know, where I where I have ran now is because I did, did put a lot of emphasis on mental. And really the last part I'll add on that is if you talk to the pros, I mean, everyone else on that pro line is good. Everyone can hit the middle, everyone can shoot incredible scores. So really what determines who wins or loses, obviously there's random things all the time. But as far as winning consistently It's who has a strong mental game and who can perform in those pressure situations. And so when everybody shoots good, I've I've always said, I've heard other people say, archery is 90% mental. Like once you know your shot and you can shoot, there's all these people who could be backyard world champions, but it's trying to turn it around in a tournament and do the same thing that's difficult. And all they're missing is that mental game. Yet so many people train like all of their training time on the 10% of shooting and no time on the 90% that I've considered mental. And so I feel like a lot of people train incorrectly.
0: That's a a great method, that one that I would certainly like to look into more. And I guess just from a a hunter's, like an avid uh, hunter's perspective, do you still experience buck fever while up in the tree stand?
2: So when I'm hunting, I get way more excited and like stressed out hunting than I do competing. Okay. Um, But – because so I've kind of trained it's like the whole get in the zone thing and like don't get me wrong like at tournaments I'm nervous but I've trained and like learned to kind of push it down ignore it suppress it until I'm done and then it's like oh my gosh then the rush hits so I've kind of carried that over into hunting and so a lot of the times at least for my first shot I'm pretty calm and collected and I'm I'm good but then as soon as I shoot I have that rush of emotion kind of like what you would feel in a one arrow shoot off you know it's like okay, I, I need to get this arrow off, and you stay calm, but as soon as you shoot it, I feel this the rush as well, so it's very much the same. If I have to shoot more than one arrow, I would say, like, my second arrow would be hunting a lot harder than my first, because I do get that rush of emotion in between, but, you know, it's been okay. I I would say I handle the nerves pretty well. i have tried to with some other people who don't. I mean, I've seen the full effects of, of buck fever, but... I will say, I I did go to Africa this last year, um, and that was pretty crazy, I've never done anything like that, and the animals are so different, and so I was a little nervous on some of those there, more than I would ever be back home, just because of the situation and the scenario and it being all new, but... No, I, if I could hunt all the time, I would. Like, I like hunting more than I like tournaments, without a doubt. But, you know, unfortunately, hunting doesn't pay to hunt.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many more times you're going to come out on this podcast and say you have something extravagant to tell. But what, in, in that sense, I guess, what is the easiest, like, transition from hunting to target shooting on paper or 3D? Um, how do you kind of use the mental game? help you transition from different shoots
2: so I think the main important thing that everyone needs to have is confidence if you don't believe in yourself or you doubt yourself or you don't feel prepared I don't know how many times I've heard people say at a tournament man I'm just not ready I just haven't had enough time to practice and literally all that is is them making excuses to not perform well for the weekend like they're setting themselves up for failure and so one thing I feel like I can do well, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, is I'll say, heck, I'm not prepared, but it's going to be fine. Like, I'm going to do great. It doesn't matter. Because I've done it enough times, and we've all done this, you know, you've been doing enough tournaments that who cares if you didn't get to practice for a week before? It's like riding a bike. Like, you know, you know what you need to do. Yeah. So I try and go into each aspect of, you know, whether it be field, 3D tournament, stuff, hunting, any of that having that, the utmost confidence in myself and my equipment and knowing like, Hey, I've made this switch a ridiculous amount of times. I go back and forth all the time and, you know, just adjusting. Now I think shooting tournaments is definitely going to make you a better hunter. Um, I know a lot of people who just hunt and they only shoot a couple times a year. And, you know, if you can supplement with some tournaments in the middle, I mean, obviously that's going to make sure you're shooting year round instead of only shooting come fall and it's hunting season. So I would advise anyone who just hunts, get out and shoot a local 3D league, or go shoot a local indoor league, you know, even if you're not competitive, it's just such a good thing to work with, gives you mental training year round as well, not just the physical.
1: This might be a kind of a weird question to get a specific answer on, but to become a better archer, and I don't want, you know, like the generic practice more or um, any other thing like that, what would be your best tip? for a guy getting into archery or struggling with archery, would it be, you know, like follow through with the shot, um, focusing on getting rid of target panic? Like if you had to give one tip specifically, what would it be, Pierce?
2: So I kind of said it, I kind of said it already. And I know it may not be the answer you're looking for, but to me that is the only answer is work on your mental. Because just like anything else you do, that has a subconscious process you really only need to practice and shoot enough to where everything is comfortable and subconscious i am not a stickler on form um as long as your form is repeatable and you can do the same thing over and over good you know like that's really all it's about there is no perfect form i feel um obviously you said follow through is important i would say learn how to shoot back tension um that would be one that could be Could be very important, but if you want to get good on the target side, if you solely focus on your shooting, your form, and your equipment, you're going to continue to get better for a while, and then all of a sudden you're going to hit a peak. And then you might continue to get a little better in practice, but your tournament scores won't continue to improve. And at that point in time, that's usually where people get frustrated, they struggle, they come to somebody like myself, a different pro, a coach, and they're like, what can I do? Then they start mental training. But the mental, to be good at that, takes years. You can become an incredible archer shooter way faster than you can have a really solid mental game or mental platform. And I would say you need to start that at the same time that you start shooting. For example, I used to sing a song in my head at full draw to distract myself in pressure situations You can only think one thought at a time. Then I created a mantra that I would say, it was find the four, find the five, find the X, find the center of the X. Let down. And I would say that every time if I anchored, my bow should go off. If find the center of the X, if it didn't, and I hit let down, I would let down. That helped me learn to get my shot timing more subconscious. Gave me, you know, I was that person who didn't want to let down. I'd overhold and miss those shots. So I added let down to that sequence to force myself to let down when it was, you know, over the time that I should be executing. All of those examples I just gave are what now mental management system is you know that's what having a mental game means it's all those different elements and so it's very broad but it can help you in so many different situations that i would say first thing if you buy a bow go buy that book with winning in mind and read it and then you can go from there but i really genuinely think that mental side is what's going to bring people to the next level
0: no, I, I think that is the greatest tip that you or really anybody else could give. And I, I find it funny that you mentioned there is a song, because uh, Joe Rogan actually in one of his recent podcasts, when he's doing uh, Jiu-Jitsu MMA, he also has a song. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it like uh, Madonna or Christina Aguilera? Oh, yeah, or something? It's, it's something funny. So what? What's, what's your song? So
2: when I was young... I started that at like 10 years old in Vegas, uh, the first year I went to Vegas, I was so nervous there. I used to sing Do You Believe in Magic by Ali and AJ from The Disney. <laughs> okay. That was the song that I started with and it stuck for years just because it had an upbeat rhythm and I knew it when I was young. Now i kind of, I don't really use the song anymore. So that was more like when I was younger, but honestly, you will see in, if you've ever watched any of like my finals matches or different stuff like that, yep. occasionally you'll see me sitting there and I'll be kind of bobbing my head up and down. It looks like I'm almost singing. And if I am, but I probably am like in my head, that's probably <laughs> what I'm doing to kind of stay calm and relaxed. So I will fall back on that still to this day. If I'm in a situation where I start thinking things, I shouldn't be thinking in that moment yep. in archery, your best friend is subconscious, your subconscious mind. And your worst friend is your conscious mind. And so unless you're actively at home practicing, working on something, your conscious mind really just needs to be at bay, always, you know, especially when you're competing. And so, like I said, your conscious mind can only think one thought at a time. And you know, if you're out there and you're thinking, oh man, I have to hit this, like I have to hit a 10 to win, or there's 20 grand on the line this one arrow, or like, man, the clock's running really low. Like all those type negative thoughts you know, or oh my gosh my competition missed if you can see you know like I, I can pick one up here all of those things are never going to help you they might not hurt you but they definitely will not help you and so like I said even if you're not at full draw but if you sing that song it'll kind of keep keep your conscious mind at bay now I did try to say words in Lanny's book the which way to my book I mentioned earlier um he used to say like believe in yourself nothing but x or it was, it was, it was, it was I can I will is what he would say So I tried, mine was believe in yourself, nothing but X. And I tried to say that when I didn't have a rhythm and I was just saying words, again, if you can't tell by now, I'm pretty type A. Other words, it was easy for them to pop in. I'd be like, believe in yourself, nothing but X. And in my head, I'd be like, BS, you're all the way out in the (laughs) night. It was easy for those negative thoughts to just jump in. When I have a song rhythm, you actually have to break the rhythm. For another thought to pop into your mind, and I found that was much easier for me to be good at with the song. So again, everyone's mind works differently, which is why I said you really have to find what is going to work best for you, because what works for me will not work for everyone else. Yeah. You know, everyone needs to kind of take this and customize it to what will help them.
0: Yeah, that, that is absolutely incredible and really funny. I need to pick a song myself, and sounds like I need to start reading more we um, talked a lot about helping um, other archers what works for you my favorite part and I, I know a lot of other people will want to hear it too let's talk about your um, setup for target
2: so I'm not a stickler on equipment right now I'm shooting the bow tech reckoning and I literally have the same bow with the same rest but I'm finagling three different setups off of right now yeah. uh, because I only have one since it's a new bow so for example, this Sunday, I'm shooting my Nano Pro RZs off of this boat. All I did was swap my blade over to a freak blade on my A rest instead of a standard blade. As soon as I'm done this weekend, I'm going to throw my standard blade back on, and then I have to shoot the indoor national finals for USA Archery Friday at Cincinnati, which the maximum diameter you can use is 23 diameter. So I'm actually going to shoot that Friday, and then I actually have my cams moved on the new adjustment system. So I'm going to move my cams back like a half turn, and then I have my rest marked, and I have to move my rest back up and then over, and then I'm going to throw 27s on and shoot those for the, rest of the weekend. So just to give you an idea of, like, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of rigging it at the moment. But, yeah, really. Um, my bow is the Bowtech. I tend to shoot on the edge of the valley. I actually short peg my Bowtech. So I will set my stop, string stop, at whatever length I want my length to be, and I set my module a half inch longer. So I actually stop it before it falls really deep into the valley, and I use the 80 mods, but I'm only holding about 70% let off instead of 80. And um, I found that to be really forgiving, so there's a little trick for anybody out there, you know, setting up their Bowtex to try that. Um, I do the same on my hunting bows as well. And then I shoot an A Freak Show rest. The one main thing that I really love about their rest is actually the Freak Blade. Back in the day, we only had standard size. And shooting those really small diameter arrows, you always got contact. So the Freak Blade is a really, really skinny blade meant for the very small diameter arrows. And so I can actually tune my bow with that and not have uh, rest contact. So that's awesome. Then I'm shooting the Advantek bars from AE as well. I've kind of been hounding them for years on those. To, to make that bar, and they listen. So again, there's another company who you know, treats their women well. And um, so yeah, that bar is a really light bar. It's also a little bit weaker, but I really like the light weight because you can put the weight where you want on the bar, out yeah. on the end, instead of having so many ounces in the bar itself, and not being able to have as many on the end when you consider mass weight. The one thing I feel like, I, I just went to uh, Back to Excel, and I shoot there Site, and honestly they make incredible products. I mean I've obviously shot other companies, but their stuff is top notch, on point. When you click it, you know it's moving the exact amount of how many clicks you gave it, you know, there's no question. I just looked at the truth, and I'm really, really happy with their products. They have so many different options and accessories and, you know, add-ons to their scope housing. But I really, really like that, you know, sunshades, different things. And then I'm also shooting that new feather vision. If I'm gonna say it wrong, maybe it was a perfectium or something lens. That thing's incredible. I've never been able to see lines or holes in the target before, and I can with this lens. So that was a game changer. Rope, okay, rope bow strings. They're awesome. Normally I'll set my bow up and then time it, and usually I'll shoot a few, you know, quite a few arrows, and I have to retime it to get it perfect again. So far I'm like three sets in on their strings on different bows, and I literally time it initially and never have to change it. And that's the first set of strings that I've had that on, so I'm, I'm really, really happy with them, and they're great guys. The thing I get the most questions about is my release. And, you know, I shoot a wrist strap release, which for a lot of the pro archers tends to not be something that uh, they use with some buttons. So basically to explain to everyone, I I get so many questions about this. So I'm shooting the Carter-like mic release, and I do shoot at back tension. This is where everyone, uh, people message me and go, oh, you shoot a command shot. I'm like, no, actually I don't. So when I was eight, my dad gave me one of the old losses. this is like before we even used D-loops on the bow, and the strap was on, the release itself, he had to bring it around and hook it, and I went outside, and he's like, you're going to learn back tension, if you're going to be good, you have to, and I'm like, no dad, I don't want to, you know, I was like a kid, punched myself in the face, gave myself a bloody nose, and I was like, I quit, I went back in the house a few hours later, he's like, you're going to do it again, I go back out, double bloody nose, and I was like, I hate this thing, but He wouldn't let me quit. He made me learn it, so I did. So I learned initially on a hinge, and then for 10 years, or no, for, yeah, 8 to 18, so 10 years, I shot back and forth between a hinge and a thumb. I never had any target panic issues with the thumb, probably because I was switching back and forth, but it was just nothing. I didn't really struggle with that. The reason he made me start on a hinge when I was 8 was because I was starting to develop target panic then. Um, So the reason I switched to a wrist strap. When I got nervous or hot or cold in pressure situations, I would grip my release differently. And when I got nervous, I would continue to pull with my back, but I would tense up my hand and my wrist and my fingers, and it would drastically change my shot timing. So I always thought when I got nervous, I quit pulling. I didn't really associate it with, at the time, that I was tensing up my grip, because if your hand is tense, for those of you who have shot hand, you know you're never going to get it to execute. Well, that's what I was doing. So I have an elbow injury, flash issue, and when I was pulling back tension, I would pull so hard, but I could never get it to go off, it was, it was actually damaging my elbow. So I decided, all right, I'm going to switch to this wrist strap release, because that's the only one I thought I could maybe try to command shoot, and my goal was to command shoot it, because I didn't want to continuously apply pressure and screw my elbow up. When I started, I would like try to command shoot one or two, and then it'd be like 15 hours later, and I found I was pulling, but if they were going off easier. So what I ended up figuring out is that because the wrist strap is hooked to my wrist and I don't have to hold it, that it takes out that inconsistency of grip when you're nervous or, like I said, hot or cold. And so for me, I don't choose that release any differently currently than I ever did my thumb. I just wrap my pointer finger, my wrist, uh, my release is actually pretty heavy, and then I just pull. Same thing as my back like I would on a hinge or a thumb. It's no different. And I noticed in those, you know, situations where it matters most, it's easier for me to execute on this release because when I pull it goes off so currently if it doesn't go off I know it's my fault and I am not pulling but that's literally the only reason I shoot a wrist strap and that's the main benefit that I feel I get from it but I will say it's not for everyone I know a lot of people who are great on and and thumb and you can put them on a on a wrist strap and they can't not punch so again that's one of the things that's kind of customizable for everyone you got to figure out what works best with your mind
0: that's awesome i know we're gonna get a lot of questions about that i guess just before we get into because we're gonna pick your brain a little bit about some hunting obviously because that's what we love to do but recently on another podcast uh i heard that you were talking about some of the drug testing in competition archery and yep. we have had actually a few people ask what uh beta blockers are it seems that this i don't know why this is all coming up now But did you want to talk to us a little bit about all of that and kind of clear the air?
2: Yeah. So um, for the people, one of the main things that I've seen from the average hunter or average person in archery is that their take on drug testing was that it was stupid and pointless and that it wasn't needed and no one was doping. And I can't tell you how wrong they are. As a pro, we need this and I support it 110%. Now, here's why. It's not like, you know, MMA or biking. Like, look at all these other Olympic sports. Now, obviously, different supplements or medications would benefit archers but would hurt other sports. A lot of the uppers that other sports are taking would hurt archers. So the thing that they're really testing us for are downers, anything to make you calm. Now, I'm glad you asked me this in this order because I just spent you know, however long, explaining how important a mental game is. Yeah. And basically, the, the best way that I can explain a beta blocker is one, they're usually taken for heart problems. They're, what they do, they lower your blood pressure, they, they can lower your heart rate, and they keep your blood pressure and heart rate from spiking yep. in those pressure situations. So let's say you're in the shoot-off in Vegas, everyone else's blood pressure might be, you know, through the roof, and the, the beta blockers will keep yours level. So it's four people with heart problems. Also, and this is where they came up in Vegas and kind of, you asked how it all got started. It's because one of the pro men failed their drug test in Vegas. And that's really what started yep. the controversy. We've been drug testing in U.S. archery and World archery since I started. I was drug tested for the first time at 14. And I've been tested ever since. But none of us has ever failed, so it was never an issue. As soon as somebody failed and it happened to be the winner in Vegas, it obviously caused this whole issue that people didn't even realize we were doing this behind the scenes, but we always have been. So basically, what I would say is someone who's out there on a beta blocker, it, they would have, it would be the equivalent of, let's say, like 15 years of mental management training on steroids just from taking a pill. So here I am over there trying to implement all these things that I said to you and stay calm and deep breathe and keep my mind focused and all this stuff to try and keep my blood pressure and my heart rate down in these pressure situations. And they can take a magic pill that does all that for them. And, you know, that's the main thing that they're testing us for. But um, what people don't realize is we're not talking just illegal drugs. Obviously, marijuana, any of the banned, normal drugs, you know, illegal drugs are, are banned. Also, like uh, allergy medicine with a D in it, so like claritin D that's banned. said anything with like phenylethylene or whatever, which is like a nasal decongestant, those are banned. Inhalers for asthma, those are banned. There are so many different medications that you might have prescriptions for that are banned. Now, the main thing that I saw other people say is, okay, I take medication, so now I can't shoot. No, that is not true. There's a thing called a therapeutic use exemption, TUE for short, yep. and if you wanna compete in a pro division on medication, You get with USADA, WADA, whoever it is that's testing, and you go to your doctor, they fill out the TUE form, and you submit it, and then if your medication's valid, they're going to approve it if they feel that your medication's a little overkill. So let's say you're someone who has headaches, and you take beta blockers for headaches, not for your heart. But for headaches, obviously, they're going to really help them with their heart since they don't even have a heart issue, but they're taking medication that levels out their, their heart stuff. They might say, hey, you know what? We won't approve the medication you're on, but here's a list of other beta blockers or other medications that we will approve that should work for your headache but will not give you an extra advantage over everybody else. And so then you go back to your doctor, you can work out your medications, and then you'll get your TUE. Now, a lot of people go, that's horrible, and how can they ask you to change your meds? That's not fair. They're not asking everyone to do that. They're not asking the average hunter, the average semi pro, or the kids. This is simply people in the pro division who are competing for 50 grand a weekend, you know, 30 grand a weekend. For those of us that do this for a living, I would gladly go through that process as many times over as it took to compete because that's how much I love this sport. And any pro that is against drug testing. That's going to make me go, why? Because as a pro, I would like to know that all the people I'm out there competing against are playing fair and clean and don't have an advantage over me from a medical standpoint
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: because of medication. So I haven't really heard any pros that are against the drug testing because why would you be? Right. We're competing for money. It's our living. And I would like to know that everyone's playing fair. Now, the people who complain the most are people who it's never going to affect it's the people shooting amateur it's the hunters it's the people shooting semi-pro that are never going to go pro at that point you don't have to worry guys they're never going to test any division but the pro division but that's pretty much the gist of it when you test the tests are done really well i just talked uh, i kind of explained the process with greg i'll just briefly touch on it but you're in control of your own sample the entire time no one else comes near it no one else touches it the person testing you watches to make sure the sample comes from your body But no one else is even near that sample to contaminate it. We close it up in locked containers. So, again, no one even on site anywhere else at the testing facility has access to it. One thing I'd like to add as well is people who say, well, it's just so intensive and blah, 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 and it's so tough. Well, okay, one, we're doing this as a job, so suck it up. Two, um, those of us who've been on the U.S. team or who are on, you know, World Archery, certain ranking and stuff like that, we have to do... Registered, It's called like an RTP, registered testing pool. And there's an app on our phone where you have to log in and register your every location of every day, like indefinitely. And they can show up, the drug testing people, not just at tournaments. They can show up at your house, at your work, wherever you are, at your hotel, and test you at any time. And they do. And so for the people who say, oh, it's just too hard, how can they expect you to go get your medication cleared and get tested at events? Those of us who really love this sport and who really take this seriously have to tell them where we are 24-7 and can be tested even at home. So the extent of how intense this can be goes so much beyond, you know, just testing at tournaments, and all Olympic sports have that. Not just archery. We're behind. Everyone else has been doing this for years and now we're playing catch-up. You know, that's kind of the gist of how it goes. That's my take on it. you guys have any other questions? Anything you think I
0: should cover I didn't? No, I couldn't agree more with that. And listening to that podcast, you went into a lot of deal on uh, the Bo Junkie podcast. It's really, I don't really care to hear what the people have to say that don't agree with it because, like you said, they're either not going to be participating in that testing because they're not shooting at that level, but I think it's something that, yeah, it's your livelihood, right? It pays your bills. You should be tested 100%. I going
2: to say, the comments that upset me the most as a pro and as someone who loves this sport so much is when I hear them say, or see them say, you know, this is stupid. It's just archery. This is retarded. It's archery, guys. This isn't whatever. And they'll name a different sport. And it's like, yeah, maybe for you. But when, you know, the guys are competing for over 100 grand in three days at Vegas yeah. or we're competing for... Forty grand in the men's at OPA and twenty grand in the women's. Like that's a lot of money to make in two days. I feel like anyone with a normal job would agree. I know. And so at this point, it's not just archery anymore. You know what I mean? It is our job, and so I just wish that the general public would take this more seriously because that's that's the direction that we want to go. Like we want to be taken seriously. And to be taken seriously, this is a necessary step that
0: needs to happen. That is awesome, and I think you actually mentioned it earlier on in the podcast. Aim Size products—did I pronounce that right? Aim Size or? Yep. Aim Size. Uh, so, yep. what it, what are they exactly? Because they've been coming up on Instagram quite a bit as well.
2: So, Aim Size was initially thought up by Paul Tedford, uh, another pro archer from Montana, and then he works with another guy named Marty. Now, they're partners, but they are all natural supplements. So they're built around being clean you can take those and still pass a drug test there's nothing in them that would ever throw a red flag but it's just natural supplements that are good for your body in let's say your vision they have a um, the pro joint and the probiotic and then the main one I would say they have a pro sleep and then the pro focus and the pro focus just has natural supplements in it that are kind of supposed to be calming help your mind focus you know uh, kind of clear out the distractions that's one thing i've noticed for me shooting the pro focus i feel a little bit more relaxed but other things that i used to hear people talking in the background or you know someone beside me doing something retarded on the line where now it just seems a little bit easier for me to like focus on the task at hand you know focus on me and my target and what i'm doing yeah but i really think it's awesome that you know to have products that archers can take created by an archer because that gives you something that you can take to give you a little bit of an edge or to keep your body healthy, You know, give your body what it needs, without the risk of failing a drug test. Now, one other thing I should add, it's on the athlete to check all of their medications. Yeah. And most dietary supplements or um, health supplements are not like FDA cleared or you know guaranteed what's in them. So let's say I go and I want to take uh, biotin to make my hair grow or something from the store if let's say they turned around and made something that was banned before that and traces of it got in the biotin and I take the biotin and I fail my drug test too bad it's on me so you have to be really careful taking different supplements because they don't necessarily have to disclose everything that's in them and you don't know how clean right the facilities and everything else are so aim is a product that you can take without a doubt you're going to clear your drug test and everything will be fine you really have to be hesitant taking other stuff out there like i said the burden of staying clean is on the athlete it's not on on them so we have to be very cautious
0: yeah that's that's a very interesting product did you have anything on that product as well? yeah i think it's it's super important
1: to know that the source of what you want to get is good for you and i know cam and i are going to look into it more because that sounds we we love the healthy lifestyle you know this morning we went on a 10-kilometer hike out okay. looking for sheds, actually didn't find any. <laughs> but I, we love you know eating healthy and working out, and I think it's really good to know that there's supplements that are perfectly clean and can help us out.
0: And made by another archer, that's uh, one thing that's definitely appealing.
1: Yeah, it's super important. Paige, if I could pick yeah. your brain, this is kind of, these two questions have kind of become a staple of our show that people love. So uh, I'm going to ask you two things. One, your favorite game to hunt, and are there any dream hunts in the future for you? Okay,
2: I'm going to do the dream hunt first. Because the one hunt that I want, like, I have to do before I die, I want to go hunt stag in New Zealand. That has always been my one, like, hunt of a lifetime that I've wanted to do. Um, so definitely that. And then, let's see, my favorite game to hunt. I I really, so I, I prefer big game. So just to, to clear that out, yeah. birds, all that kind of stuff, not as fun. I definitely prefer big game. Um, on, In the U.S., I would say elk. Are probably my favorite, and then probably blacktail. That's what I hunt a lot here at home. But definitely elk. I like. Um, I've only got to hunt elk a few times, but it's so cool that they bugle. You can call to them; they'll yep. answer. You can kind of call them in because the, the deer that we hunt out here—mule deer and whitetail or blacktail—you don't call them in um, at all. You don't call to them. It doesn't work like that. It's not like whitetail.
0: So interesting.
2: Elk hunting is really the first time that I got to experience that, and it was so cool. I did, I did mention that I had the ability... Actually, this last year, I actually came up to Canada and hunted there with some fellow Canadians, um, Devin and Kara. They're over in uh, Alberta. And I got to hunt white seal, so that was really cool. But I also got to go to uh, Africa. And
0: That's awesome. And
2: I really enjoyed hunting the different species in Africa just because it was something I'd never done before. I'd never seen those animals in person before. So I went over there not expecting to like it as much as i did i was like yeah this is gonna be cool but i don't know and then by the end of the trip i was in love it was the coolest thing i feel like i'd ever done i was already trying to plan a trip back and so it really opened my eyes to something i had never experienced before but i guess a dream hunt too i'd, I'd like to go back there again for sure and, and i will
0: without a doubt so your dream hunt on the stag to new zealand i don't know if you've uh, watched the show or the uh the, the movie, I guess, uh, of Adam Greentree and the Descendants. He goes to New Zealand. But if you haven't watched that, you definitely have to because it's unbelievable and it'll make you even want to hunt stag even more. I know after watching that I was like, oh man, I would love to go on a stag hunt. So that's pretty cool. You should definitely check that one out. Um, yeah.
2: No, I, I will. I'm hoping, you know, our schedules are pretty crazy, but I'm hoping I can line something up and figure it out in the near future because I really would like to do that.
0: That's awesome. Um, well, Paige, you have answered our, a lot of our questions to beyond, way beyond what we were anticipating. And uh, is there an Instagram for our listeners to check your page out, either Facebook or Twitter or anything like that? Uh, yeah, my Instagram
2: handle, if they'd like to look me up, is Paige Pierce 21, and then the Facebook page I'm currently using for Archery is Page Pierce Archery. So they can find um, that stuff there, and usually the content's pretty similar. But uh, I do a lot of Instagram stories that I don't, you know, do on Facebook. So,
0: yep. And uh, yeah, I loved watching you get your eyelashes done. That was or your eyebrows, <laughs> was it? You got your I eyebrows bet. done. <laughs> so that was great. Yeah. Yeah. They-
2: those are definitely still healing. Um (laughs) they're a little scapped over at the moment, but I'm hanging in
0: there. (laughs) Yeah, for everyone, Paige loves the Instagram story, so follow along to her Instagram. Again, thanks a lot, Paige. Uh, wish you the best of luck at uh, the Cincinnati shoot and the rest of your twenty nineteen season. I will uh I'm gonna tag you in a photo once I hopefully get my reckoning here in the next couple months. And uh you can give me a like on that cause that bow is freaking awesome. But You'll n- love it. Yeah. I can't wait for you to get one. Yeah, me too. So good luck, and thanks again for joining us on our podcast. Yeah, Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Take care, Paige. Well, she's about the smartest person we've ever had on here. Holy, that was uh, so informative. I'm glad she was able to clear up uh, a lot of the things about the AIM size products and the drug testing that happened at the most recent Vegas shoot.
1: Yeah, it was. it was super cool to get an expert's opinion, and she truly is an expert she's damn right she is like yeah like all her credentials that we talked about are absolutely amazing to us and I was it was funny like obviously you can't see but when she was telling us about all you know growing up and smashing records Cam and I our jaws were just on the ground we're like oh yep that's okay she's that she
0: she went there oh yeah no it was that was awesome and it's really cool actually that both her parents were into archery before Mm -hmm. and that was really the upbringing like i think she said the first time was 18 months like yeah yeah that's unheard of like i i don't think i was walking at 18 months Uh, oh i think i
1: was like eating (laughs) play-doh pretty well yeah no she was super cool and of course we suggest you guys follow her on instagram follow her on
0: facebook um, she's super funny with her Instagram stories and she shoots a bow tech, which is super intriguing for me. And yeah, that's cool. She's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. She's awesome. You know, what? I bet you give her uh, a Hoyt and she'd shoot it just as good too. Oh, hell but. yeah.
1: Well, when we met her at the ATA show, she was super friendly down to earth. Yeah. Um, Really, you really enjoyed talking to her. I did, too. You got to hang out with her a little longer just because you were shooting the new Reckoning yeah. where I was kind of hanging back. But, she, you know, that was a, it was a really good time, and I really hope to see that she does really well this year. Because yeah, she absolutely.
0: She does. She really does, and she has the right mindset. I'm definitely going to be going and checking that book out, and we'll make a little post about the book for anyone else that would like to go and look it up as well. So, I guess this is going to be it until saturday which is
1: what basically one week from today is going to be the toronto sportsman show we're yeah. going to be there talking down with the uh well i guess you'll find out who we're talking with when yes we go there.
0: uh but yeah no that'll be interesting we will be at the kickaboo booth for a while and there'll be lots of other cool booths if we're not there we'll be at excalibur chatting with some friends yep. we'll be checking out all the cool things that are there look forward to seeing everybody we're going to be just having a great time yeah i'm it's excited going to be awesome
1: I'm uh, I'm a little bit tired, so I'm ready for a nap. We uh, Like we said, we hiked 10 uh, kilometers today.
0: I need some more coffee.
1: Yeah. Actually, we uh, I think we're on our fourth cup of Hunter's Blend. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be jacked up till like <laughs> 3 in the morning. <laughs> Not tired no more. No. So uh, Cam uh, packed a nice little French press cup of uh, Hunter's Blend dark roast, and I had the original roast. And uh, you know what? They were some of the best damn coffee I've ever had.
0: Yeah. It really is. And I, I really like that they are by hunters for hunters like that. I love that.
1: Sorry, I had, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's really good coffee and uh, we're going to talk with them soon. I'm ready to call it a day.
0: Yeah. Thanks again to Paige and thank you everybody for listening. And we will see you guys next week for the Toronto sportsman show.